Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to begin a new series this morning. And welcome to April. It's good to be here in April. Who can, uh, I can't believe that it's already um, April. This year has just gone so fast, so fast, hasn't it? Gone past so fast. It's been uh, very, uh, <coughs> it's been quite, uh, quite incredible. But we're going to begin a new series this morning. I'll be honest, I'm not exactly sure how long it's going to go for. I've got quite a bit of material, but it's, um, it's a series that we're calling Living, in, Living by Faith, or Faith in Action, I guess we could call it. Um, maybe Living the Faith. Let's go with that. Let's go with Living the Faith. We're going to begin a new series with Living the Faith. Praise the Lord. Now, the Bible is full of accounts dealing with radical changes in people's lives. Amen. Think of Jacob, Jonah, Samson, um, Saul of Tarsus. You can see that um, in these kind of people, their lives are changed dramatically when God intervenes in their life. Other than probably Saul of Tarsus, in the New Testament, the one that springs to mind, of course, is Simon Peter. Such a dramatic change occurred in his life. Um, his general personality, he was very bold, outspoken and not afraid to really live uh, what he claimed to live. We see this when he's dealing with Jesus. He has strong convictions. You know, he, he tells Jesus, you know, I'm going to protect you. You're not going to have to go to the cross. And he goes so far as that when Jesus is about to get arrested, he jumps out with a sword and, and cuts off Malchus's ear, right? So he's He's such a, a firebrand, a, a passionate person, and yet just a little while later, we see that he was also quite a coward when, um, you know, he's around the fire and Jesus is being tried, and, and people question him and say, do you know Jesus? He's like, no, 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 I don't, I don't know him. And we know the story, the rooster crows, and, and he denied Jesus. And, but we know, thankfully, that's not the end of the story for Simon Peter, Amen. That's not the last that we ever hear of him. Um, on the day of Pentecost, God's Spirit is poured out, and he gets up and preaches that sermon in the book of Acts chapter 2. And from the rest of his life, from that point forward, Peter not only boldly confessed his faith, but he lived his faith in the face of ridicule, in the face of opposition, in the face of people coming against him. Praise the Lord. Come on in, let's grab a seat. And so really, this is what we're going to be looking at as we begin this new series is we're going to look through some of the chapters of the book of Acts. We're going to look through Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and we're going to explore together how the early church lived out their faith. Amen. We're going to explore how they presented it, how they professed their faith. Because when you're living for Jesus, there's so much more than just that initial conversion experience. Amen. Amen. There's what do you do after you've become a Christian? And that's what we're going to talk about over the next few, uh, few weeks together. Someone say praise the, praise the Lord. It's good to see everyone that's here this morning. There's a few people coming in a bit late. That's okay. God bless you. We're glad you're here. For those of you who have just walked in, 
We're beginning a new series this morning entitled Living the Faith. Everyone say, Living the Faith. Living the Faith. Praise the Lord. So our first lesson today we're going to talk about is this principle, that God will finish the work that He has begun. Everyone say, God will finish the work. And if you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them? Let's all stand as we read God's Word this morning. We're going to read a couple of verses. Philippians chapter 1. Praise the Lord. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Everyone say amen when you're there. Amen. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. It says, being confident. Everyone say confident. Confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now flip over to Acts chapter 23. I want to read you a short part of a story here. Acts chapter 23, and we'll read from verse 11. It says, And the night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. And when it was day, verse 12, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And there were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse, that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul." It's interesting, isn't it, in this little passage of Scripture, God bless you, you may be seated, thank you for standing. In this passage of Scripture, we see that um, God, on one hand, has promised Paul, you're going to testify in Rome. And yet we've got these 40 Jewish people who hate Paul, and they said, we're not going to eat until we've killed Paul. So something has to give, doesn't it? And so we're going to talk this morning about how... God's works are never finished. God is going to finish the work that He's begun in us. Amen? God has a plan for every person's life. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe God has a plan for your life this morning? Amen. Here's the thing, though. Even though God does have a plan for our life, we have free will. Amen? So we can decide whether or not we want to follow God's plan for our life. We can decide to turn our back on it, or we can decide to pursue God's will, God's plan for our life. Either way, whatever we do, God is aware. God is not surprised when we make the decisions that we make, amen? He knows everything. He is omniscient, is the word that we use. He is neither surprised nor thwarted in His overall plan for humanity based on our decision either. Because not only does God have a plan for your life, God has a plan for the church. Amen? And that's why Jesus, when He said, um, 
talking about the revelation that Peter had in Matthew chapter 16, I think it is, when he says, um, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Well, how can he know that? It's not just because he knows the future. He knows that because he has a plan for the church. He has a plan for humanity. Amen. And it doesn't matter what choice we make, whether we decide to follow God's plan for our life, or whether we decide to go our own way, God's plan for the church, God's plan for humanity is not thwarted. Amen. That's why if we want to be a part of the victorious church, we need to be a part of the church. Amen. Because if we start to follow God's plan away from God, if we start to leave God's plan, sorry, and we leave the church, then we're no longer part of that church. We're out of God's plan. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we know that God's we know that God's plan will not deter his ultimate plan, but he will utilize our decisions to work towards good outcomes for other individuals. Amen. Working together for good those who, for those who love God and are called according to his divine purpose. My tongue untied. I don't think that sentence made any sense. Praise the Lord. So let's lay a bit of a foundation here. First of all, there are two calls from God to every believer. Everyone has two calls. The first one is, is that God calls individuals to salvation, and God calls all individuals to salvation. Amen. This is the most important call that we will ever receive. Salvation through Jesus Christ gives our life significance. Amen. Well, let me try that again. Our call to salvation through Jesus Christ gives your life and my life significance. Amen. It aligns us with what God's plan is for our life. But that's only the first call. There's a second call. The second call that every believer receives, now this is for every believer now, is a call to an individual work of ministry within the body of Christ. God has called every person to find his or her place within the function of the entire body, which is the church. Amen. So we're called to a ministry. Turn to the person next to you. Say, I've got a ministry. I've got a ministry. Amen. To minister is to serve. That's what the word minister simply means. If you say, I am a minister, you are saying, I am a servant. That's what it means to minister. Amen. To minister is to serve. And all believers, everyone say all believers. All believers are called to serve the body of Christ through the roles to which God has called them and the positions to which he has placed them. Amen. So here's a question for you to start thinking about as we begin this topic. What role has God called you to fulfill? within the church. What ministry does God have for you? If we believe that every person gets a call to salvation and every believer gets a call to minister, what ministry do you have? You see the thing is is that we get very fixated on what we think ministry is. Amen. We have a set list of criteria that we think this is what ministry means and anything out of that doesn't count. But that's not true because ministry is just to serve. 
So you can be a minister and be playing the piano. You can be a minister and be singing. You can be a minister and be standing by the door welcoming people when they come in. You can be a minister and be out there teaching Sunday school. You can be a minister and be serving up tea and coffee after church. It's ministry. It's service. And so I ask you again, as you start to think about this, what ministry does God have for you? What is your role in the body? Where do you fit in? Amen. Praise the Lord. You see, God has called us to work for Him. And this is an important principle. Our calling of service within the church involves a specific work for which God has created us. You know how you just, everyone has, you know, kind of unique talents and abilities, but then there's, there's, there's certain personality types that are just so good at doing some things. You know, you know, like the accountanty type of people, you know, they're so good with numbers and figures and their mind is just quick and, and they can just, they make great treasurers, right? You see people who are just, you know, these people who are just so friendly and outgoing and they can just talk to anybody. You know, if an Eskimo comes in, they can sell them ice cubes. You know, they're just so friendly. Now, they make great people on the door to make people feel welcome when they walk in. Amen. And so every single one of us has been brought together for a purpose. God is not surprised by who is here today. God is not surprised by who is a part of this church because He brings individuals with their personalities and their traits and their skills and He brings them into the church together because He has a specific place of purpose for them to serve. Amen? Of course, we are all called to win souls for Christ. Amen? We are all called to witness. We're all called to reach for people, amen? And we all have a testimony to share with others, both within the church and without the church. Did you know that? Your testimony can encourage people within the church as well, amen? However, beyond our general calling, which we have because of the Great Commission to reach the lost, we also have a specialized work to which we should devote ourselves, amen? Our specific work may be a specialized area of ministry to the lost or to fellow members of the body of Christ. God has given everyone unique gifts and He uses them for His glory when we yield and when we submit them to Him. And it is this joining of abilities and talents that make the church strong. You know, I think it's Brother Carlton Kuhn has got a book entitled, If Everybody in Here Were Just Like Me. Now, we think that would make a perfect church, wouldn't it? Can you imagine if we were all the same as me? You would all know how I think exactly. You would know what I like, what I don't like. You would know everything about what my expectations are. Everybody would be at church at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. Everyone just looks up in the air and goes, Pastor's not talking to me. <laughs> Amen. But here's the problem. I have got areas in my life where I do not have any talent. I am not very good at singing. As I'm getting older, that's becoming more and more apparent. I cannot play a piano. I barely even know where the C chord is. Amen. 
I am shocking at cooking. Please don't make me cook. If you want me to cook, you will die. (laughs) I can't cook. There are things that I cannot do. And if everybody in here was just like me, or everybody in here was just like Brother Kenneth, or everybody in here was just like Brother Sam, our church would not be very strong, would it? We would have gaps in our strengths and our abilities and in our ministries. So instead, God brings all these different people together and melds them together into what we call the body of Christ. And everybody brings their talents and everyone brings their abilities and their skills and brings them to bear for the kingdom. Amen. But I think sometimes the missing part, what we don't realize, is that God not only has a purpose and a plan for your life, but He wants to complete it. So often we get so caught up just in the everyday run of the mill, and we kind of lose sight of the fact that where God has put us is for a purpose, and He's always got growth in store for us. He wants us to grow and to develop and to become stronger and to have more talents and abilities that we can use for His kingdom. Amen? Are you with me so far? Amen. So it really doesn't matter what your work might be. It might be to preach or teach. It might be to play a musical instrument. It might be to sing. It might be to be a missionary here in Cairns. It might be a missionary overseas. Who knows? It could be involved using your abilities to assist in administration. All of these things are important. All of these things are special. All of them are unique to each individual. And God has put them in this church for a purpose. And He is going to complete the work that He has begun in us. Someone say, Amen. Amen. So God has called us to work for Him. And He will empower us to to successfully perform His work. And we can observe a call of God's specific calling when we read in the book of Acts this afternoon, this morning. I'm all over the place today. Praise the Lord. In Acts chapter 23, we read it. And verse 11, it says, In the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also in Rome. This is a specific call to a purpose that God has given the Apostle Paul. He said, Paul, you are going to go to Rome. You are going to testify of me. A specific call. A specific purpose. And nothing was going to prevent Paul's fulfillment of that calling because God himself was guiding Paul's way towards that mission in Rome. Amen? Now think about how encouraging that would have been to Paul. You see, Paul was in Jerusalem at the time, and he had just faced an intense grilling by the Jewish Sanhedrin. Amen? They wanted to kill him. He was on trial. He had been locked up in jail. And from a human perspective, Paul had every reason to be discouraged. Amen? Think about it. He's come back to his countrymen. Many of those members on the Sanhedrin Council, he probably would have known because he was very high up in that organization. Amen. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, the Bible says. Amen. And how discouraging it would have been to know that his former friends and associates now want to kill him for the truth that he's got. For preaching this Jesus. Amen. 
And yet God did not leave him without an encouraging word. God had a specific plan for Paul's life, and he would not allow that plan to be thwarted. Amen? So here's the thing. God has a work for us to do as well. God has a grand plan. In enacting his supreme will in this world, and amazingly, every single one of us in this room today are a part of that. Let me just stop here for just a second. I'm not sure if you actually got that. God has a plan for the entire world. He does. It's still his world. He's still in control. He's still on the throne. He still has a plan. But here's the thing. The plan that God has for your life ties into the master plan that God has for the world. I don't think we sometimes really quite grasp the significance of that. You see, our little human minds are so finite sometimes. We can't quite wrap our heads around that. You know, God is not up in heaven doling out assignments for people. Like, okay, for the next hundred years, I'm just going to use this pattern. Singer, preacher, teacher. Singer, preacher, teacher. Singer, preacher, teacher. You can do admin. You can do that. Woo, you have a gift. You have a gift. You have a gift. I'm just going to go gift, 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 gift. No. God actually has a specific plan for your life. God has actually put thought and intelligence into where your life is going and what he wants you to do in your life. Amen. And that plan that he has for your life ties into this incredible plan that he has for the entire world. And so while we may not experience what the world views as success in every venture we undertake, and sometimes we might even feel like we're failing, God will bring his ultimate plan to come to pass in the end. And he will use us in the process as long as we keep ourselves compliant to his leadership and submitted to his will. Amen? This is the key to all of this. We've got to live our life in surrender to God's will. I often get asked by people, how do I know what God's will is for my life? Well, read God's word and obey it, and you're on the right path. Amen? Praise the Lord. There's a story that's told. In the 11th century, King Henry III of Bavaria, he became very tired of all the problems in court, living a court life and um, having to have all the pressures of being the monarch. And he went down to the local monastery and he asked to be accepted as a monk and to spend the rest of his life just living in the monastery rather than being the king because he was fed up with being the king. And Prior Richard was his name. He said, Your Majesty, do you understand that the pledge here is one of obedience? You are going to struggle with this because you've been the king. He's used to everybody obeying him. Amen. And Henry said, I understand. The rest of my life, I will be obedient to you as Christ leads you. Then I will tell you what to do, said Prior Richard. He said, go back to your throne and serve faithfully in the place where God has put you. When King Henry died, a statement was written above his um, tombstone that said, the king learned to rule 
by being obedient. It is good to remember that when we get tired of the roles and the responsibilities that God has given us, the answer is not to quit. The answer is to go, well, God has put me here for a reason. Amen. And He has told us to be faithful. And He's told us to be accountable. And He's told us to be good at what we are doing. Christ expects us to be faithful where He puts us. And when He returns, we'll rule together with Him. Amen. And we see this in the, in the parables as well. When um, the parable that Jesus told about the master who went away. Right? And uh, the house wasn't run properly. And the maids and the servants were beaten and all this kind of stuff. And, and the master came back and he wasn't happy. And he threw them into outer darkness. Why? Because he had given people jobs and roles and responsibilities to do, put them into place, and they didn't do what he'd asked them to do. Amen. So when God puts us into a place, God gives us a job to do in the church. When God gives us roles and responsibilities, our job is to do them faithfully, obediently. Amen. But here's the thing. When we are doing these things, we can also be sure that God's enemies will do whatever they can in an effort to thwart His will. Amen. We see this in the story we read this morning. And when it was day, Acts chapter 23 and verse 12, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. A group of more than 40 Jews so despised the work that Paul was attempting to accomplish for God, they mutually swore an oath to neither eat nor drink until Paul had been killed. That's pretty intense. Amen. They were intent on stopping him and stopping the message of Jesus Christ and his church. And this group conspired with the chief priests and the elders in a plan to ambush Paul and execute violence against him. Amen. Here's the thing. The hatred that Satan has for God and for his kingdom is difficult for us to comprehend. We know he's the enemy. We know that he is a roaring lion. We know that he goes around seeking whom he may devour. We know these things, but I don't know if we really truly comprehend the hatred that Satan has for the church. He will go to any length or any depth of depravity to oppose God and his kingdom. And so what we find as Christians is that we can become caught in the crossfire of Satan's opposition to God's plan and to his will. Now the interesting thing is, of course... Bible says all things work together for good. God turns all of Satan's attempts at afflicting the people of God into surprisingly potent sources of strength and learning and experience and growth. No pain of affliction is pleasant or enjoyable when we experience it, but we know that it will strengthen us when we get to the end. Amen. One writer put it like this. He said, contrary to what might be expected, I look back on experiences that at the time seemed especially desolating and painful with particular satisfaction. 
Indeed, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything that I have learned in my 75 years in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my experience has been through affliction and not through happiness. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because as a general rule, as humanity, we pursue happiness, right? We want things to be good in our life, amen? We don't want to go through struggle. We don't want to go through hardship. We don't want to go through affliction. But it is when we get caught in that crossfire, when the devil is attacking us and trying to get us off the plan that God has for our life, it is in those moments, if we can stay strong, that God turns these oppositions into times of growth and times of strengthening. Here's something else that we need to know. Yes, the enemy will make plans to try and destroy the work of God. Yes, the enemy will make plans to even try and destroy us when we're living for God's plan. But God's plan is not thwarted by the enemy's attack, nor is God surprised by the enemy's attack. In the story that we've been reading in Acts chapter 23, in verse 16... It says, And when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered the castle and told Paul. See, God arranged for Paul's nephew to be located where he heard that they were lying in wait. Amen. And so he went to warn Paul, and Paul sent him to speak to the Roman tribune, warning him of the plan. And consequently, the tribune arranged for a 200-man army to protect Paul and escort him to the governor Felix, providing him protection as a Roman citizen. Amen? You see, opposition to the work of God never catches the Lord off guard. God is fully aware. Everyone say, God is fully aware. God is fully aware of Satan's opposition to his work in the world, for he is omniscient. He possesses perfect knowledge of all things. Whatever the will and the purpose of God may be, we can be certain that Satan and his hordes will effectively, or actively, sorry, oppose it on every front and by every means possible. But God's word tells us in Isaiah 54 and verse 17 that no tool formed against the Lord and his people shall prevail against them. Amen. Why? Because God is aware, God is not surprised. It's so funny. We get so surprised when we fall into hard times and trials. Oh, God, why is this happening to me? Why are you allowing these things to happen? And I've been there. I've done that. But what we've got to remember is that God is not surprised. You know, the, 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 of course, the, the example that springs to mind right now is me having that car accident three weeks ago. Right? After that crash, I'm like, oh, why did this have to happen? God, I like that car. Now I've got an injured hand. Now I can't drive for two weeks. Now I can't go to work. Now this is not fair. God, but God's not surprised. God already knew when I got in my car that night that that was going to be the end of that car. When I got that car, and I remember seeing it in the dealership, Brother Kenneth, and it was so shiny and so nice and so pretty. God already knew I was only going to have it for one year. He's not surprised. 
And because he's not surprised, his plan can't be thwarted. The devil cannot defeat the plan of God for our life. Because God's not surprised. He already knows what the devil's going to do before the devil knows what the devil's going to do. That just blows my mind. Amen. And yet we get so caught up and fixated on problems and trials and things that are going wrong in our life. If we could just understand that God knows what's going on and He will use it no matter how dire, no matter how bad, no matter how painful, no matter how frustrating. If we continue to pursue and seek the plan that God has for our life, God will use that to help us grow and use that to help us learn and use that to make us more effective into his, in His kingdom, amen? And it becomes simply a part of seeing God's plan fulfilled in our life, amen? You see, here's the thing. How was the Apostle Paul going to get to Rome? It costs a lot of money. And so while the devil is sitting there going, I'm going to get these 40 Jews to kill the Apostle Paul, God is going, this is perfect. I can get a Roman government escort for free, And send him to Felix, who will then put him on a ship and send him to Rome for free. The very thing that the devil used to try and destroy Paul was the very thing that got him to Rome. To fulfill God's plan. And this is the thing. When we go through these circumstances and trials and problems and situations, we need to understand that the very thing that the devil is using to destroy us can often be the very thing that God uses to fulfill the purpose and the plan that he has for our life. That's just incredible, isn't it? Makes me wonder why the devil doesn't give up. He's like, everything I do, God uses it for good. Amen. So opposition to the work of God never catches him off guard. He has perfect knowledge of everything, amen? We don't want enemies who oppose us and our work, but it is impossible for those who serve the Lord Jesus to avoid having enemies. Our enemies are the ones that oppose God and His purpose on this earth, amen? How do we know this? John 15 verse 18 says, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Amen. Unfortunately, none of us can avoid having enemies, having some enemies, because they are the enemies of God. Someone say praise the Lord. A reporter was interviewing an old man on his 100th birthday. And he said, what are you the most proud of? Well, said the old man, I don't have an enemy in the world. What a beautiful thought. How inspirational, said the reporter. Yep, added the hundred-year-old man. He said, I outlived every one of them. (laughs) Despite whatever enemies we may have in life, And whatever opposing forces we may face, whether it is from family, whether it is from culture, whether it's from work colleagues, whether it is from the devil himself, whether it's from satanic attack, whatever it is, we know that God will perform his work. Amen. We know that we have complete assurance of ultimate success within the purpose of God because God will complete his work within every believer. Praise the Lord. 
God does not abandon the works that He begins. He finishes every one. God demonstrated this truth from the very beginning of time. Genesis chapter 2 tells us that God finished all the work of creating the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, God ended the work which He made, and He rested on the seventh day. There is a principle here where once God begins something, He does not stop until it is finished. He continues to work. He continues to plan. He continues to direct. Amen. The same principle is true with regards to God's working within our lives. We can be certain that He will complete every work that He has begun. God was not through with His plan for the Apostle Paul's life. We kind of already touched on this a little bit. So He activated a plan to rescue Paul from his enemy. He wasn't surprised. Instead, He used the plan that the enemy had to get safe passage. Now, think about it. Rome was certainly not friendly to the church. Was it? I've actually studied a little bit of the history of Rome, compliments of a, a great podcast called The History of Rome, which if you like history, you should listen to it. And um, he, the podcast deals more with political, the political side of the things, but of course, you know, Christianity became such a political force in the Roman Empire towards the end there. And, and he detailed all the attempts that different Roman emperors had made to try and get rid of Christianity and all this kind of thing. So it's very obvious that history says the Romans were not friendly to the church. Amen. And yet God used them and their army to provide safe passage to Caesarea for Paul. He kept him safe from harm because God had a plan for Paul's life and no opposition could thwart that plan. Here's the thing. God's plans are always one step ahead of the enemies as well. Amen. So God will finish what he started. God had an encompassing plan for the life of Paul, which included his eventual trek to the city of Rome where he would testify and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't it good to know this morning that God will succeed in the work which He has called us to? Isn't it good to know that He does not call us to fail? We all deal with feelings like that sometimes. Amen? He's called us to perform the ministry of His church and He will empower us to successfully fulfill that call. Paul wrote of God performing His will through us in his epistle to the Philippines. The Philippines. The Philippians. Dear me. I'm sure I'm not the first preacher that's done that. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, we read this at the beginning, being confident of this very thing, that He which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. As we get ready to finish up, there's two things that God wants to finish in our life. The first one is that God will complete His work of salvation in us. Amen? Salvation is not only a momentary event in our life, but it is an ongoing work that lasts a lifetime. Our stubborn human will is the only force that can interrupt 
or derail God's work of redemption within us. As long as we remain faithful to Him, He will continue His work of salvation in us. Amen? That's the first thing. The second thing, God will bring to completion the work that He is doing through our lives to reach the lost, to testify to the world, to minister to others in and outside of the body of Christ. Whatever our individual ministry may be, God will use it for His glory and bring it to a successful conclusion before we take our final breath. Amen? God always completes the work that He has begun, and His work in each of us will be finished. We're not going to die as incomplete, half-hearted beginnings of a project. Amen? Our life and its work will be completed together at an appropriate time that will once again demonstrate the faithfulness of God. Praise the Lord. Why don't we all stand this morning? It's very easy to get discouraged sometimes, isn't it? Because we can't see the big picture of God's perfect plan. Sometimes we often think we're failing in the work that God has called them to. I've felt like that before. Amen? We can often feel like we're, we're not doing as good as what we should do. But the takeaway message from today for you is that if you are faithful, God will work His plan. And nothing the enemy does can stop that. There might be days when you're on the mountains. There might be days when you're in the valleys. None of those surprise God. They're just part of the plan. He knows it. When the enemy begins to formulate a, a plan of attack against you, God is already aware. God's already incorporated it into His plan for your life. The only thing that can disrupt the plan of God for your life is if you make a decision to say, I'm walking away. I don't want to be a part of this. Because it's when you're not faithful to God, that's when His hands are taken off the wheel. Amen. This is why I keep harping on about you got to be in church. Get yourself to prayer meeting. Spend time reading your Bible. Spend time praying. Get involved with what God is doing. If you've got a ministry in the church, do it with all your heart. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep going. Be faithful. Because it is in that faithfulness we see God's plan begin to get fulfilled in our life. Amen? We're going to have circumstances of life. That will bring certain forces that we have to confront. There's going to be pain. It's going to be setbacks. But if we could just see the whole picture of what God is doing. And we won't. We won't know until we get to the other side. And we'll see, see that divine thread through our life where God has been leading and guiding us. Amen. Our perspective of victory to God often differs as well, doesn't it? We think of victory as strength, speed, first across the line, so to speak. God's idea of victory is often different. Mm. Why don't we just close our eyes this morning? Let's just talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. Precious Jesus. We give you praise. We give you